Let's be honest. Life's hard sometimes. We get discouraged, struggle in our faith, and it's easy to feel alone. Despite how you might feel sometimes, know that God's got your back. And so do we. Vision's prayer line team are ready to pray for whatever you're going through. Text your prayer request to 0401 132 888 and we will be praying for you. Or click prayerline at vision.org.au. That's 0401 132 888 or vision.org.au. It's another way Vision is helping you look to God daily. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. It is Thursday and we'll check on the big issues shaping Australia with Family Voice Australia in just a few moments. Greg Bondar from Family Voice has been in lockdown in Sydney. He is joining us in just a few moments. We're 90 minutes away from exploring what so many are recognising as the double standards around COVID versus euthanasia. On one hand, we talk about protecting the vulnerable. On the other hand, we seem to be rushing to bump them off. (laughs) Well, we're going to check in today with Lyle Shelton. And you'll know that he is in a transition period in New South Wales where he's preparing to take over the upper house seat in the New South Wales Parliament when the Reverend Fred Nile retires in November. That conversation about those double standards coming 90 minutes from now. On Faith in the Future with Dr. Camille Majdali, our series is about problem solving. Today talking about God and his solutions being merciful. All that ahead over the coming two hours before today's Focus on the Family with a second part in their series called Rebuilding Trust in Your Marriage After Infidelity. As I say, engaging conversations today on this Thursday edition of 2020. As we do on a Thursday, Greg Bondar, Family Voice Australia State Director for New South Wales and the ACT back with us. Hello, Greg, from lockdown. Welcome along to 2020. Thank you, Neil, and good morning. How are you handling the isolation of lockdown, Greg? Uh, Neil, I'm getting what's called cabin fever. Um, (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So... um, I'm surviving, but I have my wife working from home as well now. So there are benefits because I get some coffee made for me now and again. So that's really good. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you can reciprocate through the day as well, hey? Absolutely, Uh, absolutely. Greg, there are some big issues you've been reflecting on this past week. And uh, let's start with one around gender quotas. Uh, The women's arm of the Queensland Liberal National Party has launched an internal campaign against gender quotas. Uh, What are your reflections on what's happening there? Yeah, this caught my eye now when I read the uh, the newspaper last week, uh, which really was an illuminating article because for the first time women have come out and said, we do not want quotas. Now, there's been a lot of debate, a lot of discussion in the mainstream media Saying, oh, yes, we've got to have quotas for women in parliament and 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 state and federal because that way there's more representation. Well, I did some quick research, and in actual fact, going to uh, publish an article very shortly, a more detailed one. But Neil, you may be interested to know that in 1921, Edith Cowan was our first elected uh, woman in parliament, and um, she was followed by Dame Enid Lyons in 1943. 
But more importantly, this is important now because Dorothy Tandy from WA, she was the first senator uh, in 1944. Now, she made a very good statement when she got into Parliament earlier. She said, it is not as a woman that I have been elected to this chamber. It is as a citizen of the Commonwealth. In other words, she put aside this gender quota type discussion and debate and said, look, I'm here as a person to represent the people of the Commonwealth of Australia, not as a woman. I think that's classic. So it's very encouraging to see women come out and say we do not want quotas because they are, Neil, open to abuse if we have a quota system introduced. I guess I've heard some arguments on one hand. You've got the arguments for the quotas because there appears to be under-representation of women in our parliaments. The other side of the argument I've heard is that if you do base the women's representation on quotas alone, you're actually creating something like a second-class society for women because, really, can't women be there on their own merit? Well, there's big challenging conversation around all of that. I wonder whether you You've got any thoughts if there's a, a biblical approach you might take to that sort of thing, Greg? Well, there certainly is. As I said, I've just done some research and I've analysed all the parliamentarians in both federal and state parliament. And the representation is pretty good, actually, Neil, and I'll come to that later. But biblically, you and I both know that the biblical approach, approach is a binary designation of sexuality. In other words, we have males and females. Now, for a policy of gender quotas to come in place, it would mean that a candidate who wanted a pre-selection could easily abuse the system because, because the person who's a male could say, look, I now identify as a female and I'm, and I'm allowed to do that and uh, I can get pre-selected as a female. But not only that, if we open that up, Neil, what's going to happen to all the other LGBTIQA plus alphabet designations of sexuality? over 112, are they all going to demand a, a seat in the Senate? And don't forget, we've only got 76 seats in the Senate in federal parliament. How are we going to represent all these designations? So I think it's really open to abuse. And it's not about women, Neil. We're talking here about getting elected, getting pre-selected on the basis of skills, experience, qualifications, and more importantly, on your merit, Neil. And how many of us even had a thought for the idea that quotas actually could encourage that whole non-binary LGBTIQA activism in that whole area? Hey, there is a example of how the Queensland LNP women uh, have actually snubbed a call from the Prime Minister for uh, replacing the dumped MP Andrew Lamming. What's happened in that situation? Yeah, isn't that interesting? Because Mr Morrison, our, our Prime Minister, obviously has has endured a lot of criticism over the uh, sex um, uh, abuse scandals, what have you, in federal parliament. Uh, and he, I'm not sure he's handled it the right way, but that's another topic for discussion. But the point is that he said, oh, yes, I'd like to see more females in parliament. Well, I think that was probably a throwaway line because what's happened here in Queensland is that, as you know, Andrew Lemming, for whatever he did, and let's not talk about him, but let's talk about his replacement. There was a field of candidates, I think there were about five women, uh, five candidates, one male only, and it seems that the pre-selection committee decided to pick a chap called Henry Pike, who uh, is now pre-selected for the federal seat of Bowman. So he was obviously chosen, and I'm hoping that was the case, 
on merit, skills, experience and his own qualifications now. So the idea of resisting quotas actually is a vote for the idea that the people who are elected are candidates with skills, knowledge, experience and merit, the best people in the job rather than uh, only uh, put in place because of their gender. Hey, let's move on because there's some things here which in some ways overlap. Talking about gender, gender identities, uh, you've got issues around the world where the BBC is telling kids there are more than 100 gender identities. You'd hope this thing wouldn't be uh, forced on children, but uh, but in, in the UK, this is what they're experiencing. Uh, look, Neil, I have to raise this today because the BBC, like our ABC, and by the way, we've got a webinar on the ABC, I mean, Monday, I'll talk about that in a minute, but the British education system has gone mad, Neil. It has really gone mad. Um, we know that it's bad in uh, England, but this episode that I'm going to tell you now takes the cake, really. The BBC, like the ABC, make videos for teachers, for schools to use as, as resource aid. They have now started to make videos for children aged between 9 and 12, uh, and they are talking about gender identity identities saying that this is a really exciting topic to be talking about but what they're teaching our kids is this that children are being asked to talk about sexuality and about relationships and gender and that the answers they are given are really really unbiblical nearly in, in, in a lot of ways what they're saying to these children is you can be who you are whatever you are inside uh, and there are over a hundred classifications children, and, and, you know, there are no real male females anymore. And what they're teaching our kids is not education, but indoctrination. And they're telling our children, this is the BBC, that you can go to prison if you disrespect and be hateful to these 100-plus gender categories. Neil, where is the biblical truth? Where is it? Well, these certainly are challenging times. And interestingly, when people talk about sexualizing children, uh, this idea of indoctrinating children is very much the case. As soon as you encourage the kids to even ask those questions, then all of a sudden it comes into focus, who's giving the kids the answers? And that's been part of the challenge, hasn't it? Absolutely. Now, you know, I'm an educator, as you know. I started my career as a teacher. I've got an MBA, I've got a Master's in Education and the Philosophy of Education. So I've studied education in quite a detail. This is no excuse because what it is is that the BBC and the ABC and other these left-wing, for want of a better phrase now, is not education but indoctrination. I keep saying that because, because really now we're starting early with the kids and what hope the parents have because kids have come home and I know my kids used to come home and said, uh, Dad, my teachers have said, said this, da-da-da-da. Now, kids tend to believe teachers more so than their parents sometimes. And just coming back to, as Christians, and you have your foundations in the Bible, and you look for biblical truth here, back to mm. this binary, male and female, as soon as you upset that apple cart, you've got all these challenges, Greg. Oh, absolutely, Neil. And, and look, I just want to take a biblical approach. Now, look, I know there are LGBTI people in our community. Fine. Let's pray for them. 
Let's talk to them. Let's counsel them. But don't force it on children at the age of six, seven, eight, and nine, in particular with issues like gender dysphoria and what have you. Now, let's take a biblical approach. Let's take a stance because the BBC and our ABC has a lot to answer for in this regard. Uh, you've also been reflecting on some other issues around the BBC, advocating goldfish rights, but not the unborn. What's this one about? Oh, Neil, this is unbelievable. One of the... Look, really, I think I'm going mad myself, Neil. The, the, the House of Lords is a particular uh, member of the House of Lords, Lord David Alton of Liverpool, who said that the ABC is now putting out a publication that says and advocates for the rights of goldfish, but not those of the unborn child. So in other words, they have attributed more worth to the rights of a goldfish than they do about the unborn child. In other words, they say in their publication, uh, uh, fish feel pain and suffer just like us. Now, I'm sure they probably do. I'm not a fish, so I don't know, Neil. But what I do know is I love animals. I've got pets myself, but Neil, how can you compare a goldfish to the unborn child? And this is really criminal again, uh, uh, you know, socially criminal by the BBC, because also, and if I can just add to it, because this goes on to it, the BBC is also under fire because it had a pro-abortion storyline in the popular movie uh, series called Call the Midwives, which I quite like, called the, called the Midwife, which I quite like. What they're saying now is the BBC has instructed all its scriptwriters to no longer refer to to uh, the term uh, anti uh, refer to the term anti-abortion rather than pro-life. So if you and I are pro-life, Neil, the BBC says we've got to be called anti-abortionists, and there's no such thing as a heartbeat of a child anymore than the unborn child. The BBC are now telling us they've got to be called so-called heartbeat. Well, Neil, if this if this filters into the ABC or in Australia, we have real issues to pray about. Yes, uh, just the way you label people, uh, if you want to put them down, the idea of being an anti-abortionist rather than a pro-lifer. And, uh, you know, the majority of our listeners today, no doubt, will say, I'm pro-life. I don't like the idea that there's going to be tags like that. But uh, when you highlight those things from the BBC, uh, not from the ABC in Australia, but as you say, uh, the ABC may well be following in the footsteps of the BBC. We shall uh, wait and see about that. Hey, uh, you've been also reflecting on cancel culture and hitting new heights in Europe, because, you know, when we talk about cancel culture on a one-on-one or a group-on-group, group, uh, you know, uh, church issues uh, here in Australia, small-time things, uh, now you've got cancel culture in an international, uh, national scale here. Uh, give us some insights into what's going on in Europe. Yeah, this is really disturbing, Nelly. My research I was doing, um, the European Union is now taking two sovereign nations, Hungary and Poland, to the, to the European Court of Justice, so to speak. What they're saying is that both nations have, have not proposed to look after the LGBTI community. In, po in point of fact, what they've said is this. They have been accused of infringing, infringing upon the equality and the protection of fundamental rights of their LGBTI community uh, by implementing laws, now listen, implementing laws protecting the innocence of children 
and limiting the spread of transgender and homosexual material. In other words, both countries have said, we do not want a material in our schools that promote transgender uh, materials in our schools. And they have a right to do that as a sovereign nation. Oh, no. Cancel culture steps in there. They are now being taken to, uh, to, 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 to court. Uh, the, Europe, the European Commission is now taking both countries. Now, Neil, it's now crazy. We are now having sovereign nations being cancelled by other nations. It has to stop now. Well, so Hungary and Poland, uh, because they are wanting to protect children, uh, even from some of those sorts of things we talked about just earlier uh, on some of those yeah. points that you made, protecting children from indoctrination and sexualization, and yeah. they're being cancelled at a nation's level in the European Union. That is just uh, crazy. And you hope that the leadership in nations like Poland and Hungary can stand up to the EU. Uh, has there been a response that you're aware of? Uh, there has. Uh, the, the Hungarian Prime Minister, Viktor Orban, has said, look, you guys might want us to be all you know, loving and caring in terms of having homosexual, uh, transgender material in our schools. Well, we do not want that. He made it perfectly clear, we do not want that. In other words, what they're saying is both Hungary and Poland is that, that we don't want this sort of indoctrination material. Poland in particular has taken on and, 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 and set a charter defending the rights of the family. In other words, Neil, it's the family that should be saying you know, teaching the child uh, ethics, morality, not the schools, because otherwise, you see, this is what's happening. Once you start indoctrinating our children, they start to then, then, you know, spread the word, so to speak, and now we've got people, you know, that are saying that it's okay to have this indoctrination material in our schools. Well, not according to two nations, and I really think that we need to support them through prayer and make sure that they do uh, win this European court case um, against the European Commission because, no, you can't have sovereign nations being told what they can and can't do. And, you know, very relevant for us to be talking about this, Greg, because uh, you've got this idea of Christians uh, teaching their children the family values and passing mm. those on from generation to generation and you have an attack coming from outside at almost every level, trying to uh, dismember that opportunity to pass on those uh, yep. values to your family. So, yes, a very important issue for us to be talking about as Christians. Absolutely. Uh, Greg, just great insights as always. Let me point people to the Family Voice website, familyvoice.org.au. I always ask you, Greg, any particular campaigns that you want listeners to support, anything special coming up, some webinars, what's going on? Yes, please, Neil. On Monday night, we have a, a very special webinar on the ABC. In other words, it's talk, you know, should it be privatised, commercialised, defunded, or whatever. We'll have two wonderful speakers who are going, one, Senator Antic from South Australia and Sinclair um, Webster from, uh, from um, uh, the University of RMIT. Then we're going to talk about what do we do with the publicly funded broadcast that attacks our faith, family, and freedom. So it's a, going to be a very good uh, debate, and uh, we need to defend ourselves in the public square on uh, 
on uh, public, publicly funded uh, broadcasters now. Well, when the nationally publicly funded broadcaster is an attacker of the values of the Christian church, a debate like that is certainly necessary. Let me point people to the website familyvoice.org.au. No doubt you'll find a link there as to how you can participate in that webinar. Greg Bondar, Family Voice Australia State Director for New South Wales and the ACT. Greg, uh, enjoy lockdown. Uh, we'll catch up again next week. <laughs> Thank you, Neil. Every blessing. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.